Welcome to the Nintendo Power Zone. We are a video cast slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo-related topics. I am your host, Nice1983, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Blues and Jada Winsong. What's going on today, fellas? What's cracking, man? Yeah, I'm excited for this uh, second, first episode of this month, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this new bi-weekly format, man. We're doing way more episodes, it seems like. But... On today's show, we're going to talk about all things Pokemon, starting with the newest and most likely last Pokemon game on the Nintendo 3DS, Detective Pikachu. From there, we're going to go ahead and put our speculation hats on, and we're going to talk about what we think about the next mainline Pokemon game for the Nintendo Switch. So grab a cup of your favorite coffee, get your magnifying glass, as we unravel the mysteries of these Pokemon games. But first, let's start with the 8-bit news. So, our first story was a little bit odd, but I think it's one that I... I'm excited about it. So Monopoly Gamer announced that they're coming out with a Mario Kart edition last Wednesday, and they released it that same day exclusively to GameStop. So if you guys don't know, Monopoly Gamer is a game-themed version of the ever-popular Monopoly uh, that features Mario. Uh, all the pieces are reflective of Mario characters, so you have in your first set Actually, you have in the first set, you have Mario, Peach, Yoshi, and Donkey Kong. Uh, you can buy additional little character pieces as well, including Bowser. What's interesting about this version of Monopoly is that it actually includes boss fights. Uh, I have no idea what changes they have made for the Mario Kart edition, but I did uh, hear that some of the, the uh, cards that are playable are item-themed, and you can actively mess with people by hitting them with a you know an item and sending them directly to jail. I actually think this is a cool extension of the Monopoly Gamer brand. Uh, I've seen it already. It's exclusive to GameStop, though, and I do not want to pay the GameStop price for it. Uh, I'm certain you can find it cheaper at Target and uh, Walmart when they start to trickle them out to those locations. But I thought this was cool. It's a really nice extension, and it's just more of Nintendo just taking their licenses and putting them in scenarios that we're not used to seeing them in. Uh, I think the closest you can come to a Monopoly Mario game is that Fortune Street game for the Wii, which was made by Square Enix. But yeah, I have the uh, the original game here. I'm planning on doing an unboxing, but only after I get the uh, Mario Kart edition. But I'm excited about this, and I'm definitely going to be picking up a copy. Guys, any thoughts on uh, Monopoly Gamer Mario Kart edition? Um, so you mentioned that the closest thing we have is Fortune Street, and Fortune Street's something I want to talk about after this point. Um, but we have, we have Mario Monopoly, and we have Mario Gamer, or, or Gamer Monopoly. So they're both Mario Monopolies, but one's gonna get expansions and has slightly different with the boss fights, like you've said. Um, we do have a Super Mario Monopoly already, um, as well as we have two newer Pokemon Monopolies from Gen 1 and Gen 2. As well as the original Pokemon Monopolies that were um, previously there, um, this isn't the first time we've seen um, Mario in board games, I believe, either, um, or even Nintendo franchises or video games in general. But I am happy to see more um, more video game based um, board games out. I feel like Monopoly is just the one you just throw the skin over, though. I'm kind of sick of buying more Monopoly. <laughs> um, I kind of want to see more more unique stuff in terms of board games that have video game themes. Um, but also, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Fortune Street. Like, if they could somehow make that work in a board game format, I would love it. 
you know, I was thinking up Fortune Street like a couple days ago for some reason. I don't even remember why. It definitely wasn't because Monopoly. But I'm like, I would be down for a Fortune Street on the Switch. And oh yeah, yeah, simple as that. I'm looking more forward to Fortune Street on the Switch than any new Mario Party game at this point. Um, mm. I do like the caveat about the boss fights in the uh, Monopoly Gamer Edition. I think that really helps to stand up, stand outside of the traditional Monopoly. And like you said, I am also tired of buying Monopoly skin after Monopoly skin. I, I mean, going back from like 1994 up to now, I think I've owned at least 10 different iterations of Monopoly in its standard form, yeah. just with different <laughs> pieces. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel you there. I do have to say, I'm always a sucker for Zelda things. So the Zelda ones are the ones I always throw down money, even though I know I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, if Mario Kart is really, if the Mario Kart edition is really doing things that change up the gameplay, I think that's something to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, because normal Mario Kart is rage inducing as it is. So, uh, or not the Mario Kart, normal Monopoly is rage inducing and um, friendship ending as it is. So. You can throw the 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 friendship ending and rage inducing things of Mario Kart into it. That's like double double the pain, double the pleasure. Yeah, something like that. Well, with them, you know, you know, reaching out into Mario Kart, it makes me wonder: Are we going to get other, you know, franchises? Like, am mm-hmm. I going to be able to play a Splatoon Monopoly Gamer Edition or a Smash you know, Brothers? As you were saying, Smash Brothers or even Legend of Zelda. Man, yeah. We have Legend of Zelda Monopoly as well. It's just the not game... Monop Gamer Edition. Yeah. 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 If we saw the gamer version and it doesn't look like Breath of the Wild, oh man, Hasbro, you messed up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now, one thing that I'm kind of upset about, and I feel like should have been done here, is that Mario Monopoly Gamer and Monopoly Mario Kart Gamer are their own monopolies. How I think it should have been done, and I thought the direction they were going to go with it is have, you know, Monopoly Gamer, have the little extra characters you can buy in the expansions, have Mario Kart as an expansion rather than its own single mm. game. So you can combine them with the, with the new pieces, the new item cards, as well as keep the boss fights going. I think it should have been like a, an expansion more so than a, a whole other Monopoly. With See, At that point, it's harder to combine them. You don't you aren't able to combine them as easily as I feel. I would like to oh, combine well, them. Ultimately, you, you have to probably, you know, grasp that this is just Hasbro finding Milking. a new way to, you know, pa- you know, package the same thing with, you know, a new skin. Right. That's what they do best with this franchise. Um, yeah. They've been doing it since, you know, Monopoly, you know, started. Yeah. Uh, I do like the character pieces, but I will say one thing, uh, and it bothers me. When I buy, like, a Pokemon Monopoly or a Zelda Monopoly, the pieces that come with those games, that pewter feels real nice. I yeah. am a little These are plastic, right? Yeah, they're plastic. Yeah, and I don't, that's disappointing. They don't mm-hmm. sport the best paint jobs either. I mean, I, I understand these pieces are small. They're hard, you know, hard to paint that finite, you know. But you don't have to paint them. You have proven mm-hmm. that you don't have to paint them unless you're – specifically trying to target, you know, kids, you know, five through eight with these editions of Mar- uh, of Monopoly. Anyway, I just thought this was a little cool piece of news. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Nifty. All right. So next up, uh, we have the best Nintendo-related April Fool's joke. So as you guys know, this past Sunday was... April Fool's weird- and Easter. And Easter, yeah. It was this weird cross 
between Easter Fools, non-like holidays. Yeah, right. Yeah, Easter Fools Day. Uh, but anyway, there were some great April Fools Day pranks uh, associated with video games. Uh, my, I think my personal favorite one was uh, Team Rocket taking over the official Pokemon Twitter account. And that lasted pretty much the whole day. And throughout the course of the day, you know, they took over the Twitter account, captured Pikachu, and got blasted off. It was pretty great, actually. And uh, I guess they got the voice actors to reprise their roles and just record, like, these... Uh, small little segments specifically for Twitter. I thought that was great. Uh, one of my favorite April Fool's Day jokes, you know, period. And uh, to get in on that, Pokemon Go also hit us up with their April Fool's uh, Day joke, which was the 8-bit sprites in the Pokedex and uh, on the Poke Radar in Pokemon Go. I thought that was one of the best things Pokemon Go has ever done. And when they change it back, I'm going to be really upset. Actually, I, yeah. I I did not know that was a I didn't know that was a April Fool's joke. Actually, I was just going about my normal Pokemon Go business in life. Like, hey, we updated some stuff, so we have like new achievements from the professor. Um, and we got you know these cool new high res sprites for you. I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. I like these. The fact that that's an April Fool's joke is actually really upsetting to me right now. I agree. I would actually no, I pay money for them to keep that permanent. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, I think that's a common case with just uh, Pokemon Go in general. They always can seem to take uh, one step forward, two steps back, and put in the, their foot in their mouths. <laughs> okay, well, but the professor's achievements are also a good feature. I really like that feature. Yeah. I do too, but I'm at this point where, like, I have to actively look for a ditto to catch Mew. And I haven't actively looked for a ditto in, like, a year, so I'm not too happy about it. Uh... But what I did like about this 8-bit sprite thing is that it actually goes back to that original trailer. Uh, when people yeah. were hunting mm -hmm. the original trailer, they showed off 8-bit character sprites in the, the trailer section. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh. When it wasn't like that, I was a little disappointed. And so this was mm -hmm. like them saying, hey, you remember this from the trailer? We're going to do that, but only for mm -hmm. a week or so. And I'm yeah. like, don't do it. Don't take it away because I love this. Yeah, I feel like you should have a switch in the options to turn it on and off. Actually, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, just the yeah. skin. The problem yeah. is, it's a good idea, and I don't know if they do that. It's too good of an idea. <laughs> oh. And the last mm. major Nintendo one that I can think of was the uh, Kirby 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary page became the Waldo's 25th, 25th anniversary. anniversary page, yeah. Which was yeah. great. I was like, wow, yeah. that's awesome. Waldi, Waldi's so lovable. He's like he's never a character that you really pay attention to. Yeah. Even now, he like Bandana Waldi's becoming a bigger character. He's still like yeah. you're Waldi. No one's gonna care about you. Waldi to me has always been kind of like the uh, Kirby equivalent of Luigi. Like he's fake. He's like fake. He's he's fake Kirby in a weird way. You know how Luigi's he's not like even great Mario. So I, I kind of feel like to me it's always been kind of the same similar perception. You know. But Luigi's actually able to do stuff. Waddle Dee's, like, in a lot of Kirby games, don't even attack you. And if they do, it's very... <laughs> just to block your way. Yeah, hey, wow. hey. You know, that's that's important, too. Yeah, I think yeah. of the Kirbyverse. Yeah, no, they're, they're I not even really player either. two a lot of the time, either. Luigi's usually player two. Waddle Dee's mostly an enemy unless it's Bandana Dee, in which he's, like, player four. Because no one else wants to be stuck with him. Yeah, but these were some great April Fool's Day pranks. I don't know they how were. the other companies got down, but, you know, the Nintendo presence for April Fool's was actually, like, something that I gave them credit for. It's like, wow, Nintendo really stepping stuff up with, you know, 
just being overall active mm-hmm. with their yeah. IP. So and, I thought that was cool. And I mean, Google Maps, you should have something for um, something for April Fools. I'm not sure what they did this year, but they did something for Mario Kart Day in Google Maps where your little car was replaced with Mario Kart. <laughs> Mario this year, Google Maps did a Where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? Okay. I was yeah. a little disappointed that they didn't tie themselves back in with Nintendo. Uh, yeah. But it is what it is. I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't bad. I mean, everybody loves Where's Waldo, especially if you're from my generation where, like, yeah. it took over the schoolyards for long periods of time. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I really but, wanted, when I was in high school, they wanted to coordinate, like, the, the final, like, senior yearbook. So on each page, there's one guy dressed as Waldo on each page of the final yearbook. That but I didn't funny. get that done. Oh, man, that would have been a great senior prank. At least for like great. one picture. Oh man! But I just like this. This is like the new Nintendo that we're seeing here. When we see them do and embrace stuff like this, it shows that like there is different. There are different people in charge, and we're starting to see like the fruits of that labor. Where they're like, "Hey, we've been we've been wearing that chastity belt for a long time. Let's go ahead and unlock that thing. You know, just let a couple of things like you know." <laughs> out into the world. I know that sounds super dirty, but it is what it is. It All is right. what it is. And for our last news story, Splatoon 2 has another crossover event. Uh, this time with Jams Tech, and for those who don't know, that stands for the Japan Agency for Marine Earth Science and Technology. So basically what this what they do is they, they do a lot of deep dive explorations. They study, you know, sea life they study you know just life in general with the they're a team of biologists who do a lot of surveying of all land sea air they have a lot of technology at their disposal exactly so they're basically you know trying to save the world through technology and uh and that's a really really cool crossover for splatoon but it doesn't just end with like fancy artwork and whatnot they're actually incorporating it into their next Splatfest, uh, and the theme of that Splatfest is going to be which side are you in love with? Living things that have yet to be discovered or advanced technology, you know, which Jams Tech is actively, you know, participating in both of those things. Yes. Uh, to go even further than that, they are actually including special gear in Salmon Run, and for the first time to my knowledge, this gear is we in America are also getting access to this gear, and this gear is a special uh, hard hat helmet, and it yep. looks like the helmet that the uh, the real Jams Tech employees wear, you know, when they do you know, surveying all the awesome things they do. Site, yeah. Um, this is so, the third real life cro- uh, three, third real world crossover they've done. The first being McDonald's, uh, the second being Nike, and now this time Jams Tech for Splatoon 2. So really and there are awesome. a couple of them getting one right? as well. Well, at least for the Splatoon 2. For Splatoon 1, we yes. had, like, Autobots. Uh, Autobots, um, yeah, yeah. Patrick, Bob. SpongeBob, yeah. But um, in terms of the Splatoon 2 ones, I don't... We, we didn't get Nike or um, McDonald's, right? Those were, those were Japan-only, I believe. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. For our Splatfest, which is taking place this weekend, we have baseball versus soccer. Um, not that that's a bad Splatfest, but, man, when you're showing me Nike crossovers and exclusive Nike gear, mm-hmm. that's a... That that that's like throwing salt in a fresh open yeah a freshly yeah, open yeah definitely I yeah, agree with you agreed. there um I wanted to say I was I wasn't sure I think you might have just confirmed it for me that the the gear you can obtain little helmet for that's in Simran 
that is then available for us in the U.S.? It looks like it, uh, from what I've read. Okay, um, well, that, that is very big then. That's something yeah, that we actually have fun. it now. I've actually unlocked it already. So. Okay, I'll have to do that really fast then. Yeah, it's a real it. easy unlock. It's uh, capped at like 200 points for Salmon Run, so easy to get. All right, yeah, oh, I'll definitely right. be on that then. I'll awesome. do that. Um, but yeah, that's super cool. It is sort of a shame that we're not getting more of these crossovers in America. I agree. I feel like Jams Tech is one of the ones where it's like Americans wouldn't care as much. Because it's a Jap- it's a Japanese based company. It's Japan's what the J in Jams Tech stands for. Um, I think the work that they're doing is great, but it's not something a lot of us here in the in the states or even the West in general would know about or understand. Um, Nike and McDonald's, yeah, we know what those are, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's well, those are two uniquely those. American companies. Yes, ex- exactly. So, but then they got Japan only Splatfest at the same time. It's yeah. weird. I don't know what the licensing is for, you know, games, a game like Splatoon to obtain American licensing uh, to do these kind of pro- crossovers. But I honestly feel like if you've, if you've jumped over at least one of those hurdles, how much harder could it be for NOA to at least attempt to do the same? It, it, it's, just, it's a little off-putting at this point. Like, I'm like, uh, as much as I love Splatoon, I see these things that happen with the game in Japan, and I'm like, man, we're really being left out in the dark. And it's not just with these crossovers. Merchandising, the best merchandise for Splatoon is exclusive to Japan. Like, mm-hmm. even even the vinyl version of the soundtrack, yep. you can only buy at Tower Records, which we don't have Tower Records here anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't just that. That Tower Records deal got them a lot of exclusive gear as well. Uh, clothing, mostly limited to Japan. Uh, the cell phone cases, limited to Japan. Hell, even the real-world Splatfest bracelets that the in-game characters wear mm-hmm. was a Japanese-exclusive like thing sold at retail. It, it, it speaks to a larger issue with the way that Splatoon is promoted globally. Yeah. And, and I also want to talk about... Overall, Nintendo has a huge ability to, to advertise these crossovers for people. Um, we look at Mario Kart 8 with the Mercedes-Benz DLC. Um, we look at just Mario Maker in general with all the things that they got. Crossovers in Splatoon. And, um, like, Smash Bros. as a franchise. Like, if you get that a character in Smash Bros., that's, like, from not a Nintendo character. You expect those sales to bolster. Like, if Shantae or Shovel Knight got into Smash, you know, people who are really hyped about it would buy those games. And so Nintendo has such a great ability to be advertising if they really wanted to with their games. Well, yeah. And the thing that gets to me is that Kimishima himself has stated that he wants Splatoon to be as big as uh, Mario. And mm-hmm. the only way to do that is to treat you know Splatoon the same way that you treated Mario during Mario's rise. Because that's, mm-hmm. there was a lot of different promotion going on in the 80s and 90s and how they would you know, essentially uh, pimp a Mario game out, those games got a lot of attention. And the character Mario was really penetrative into the culture. They mm-hmm. they started with small things like a crossover with Pepsi, you know, having Mario on the can, doing things with Domino's. Hey, order Domino's pizza, and you could win a Super NES pack, and along with a million dollars. They did stuff like that. They don't do stuff like that with Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that times are different. 
Yeah, like, no, I think a lot of that has indicative. Oh, sorry about that. What did I say? Oh, and once again, that goes back to that global, like, Japan gets all the good stuff. If you want to make Splatoon as big as Mario, you got to go global with these kinds of promotions as well as bigger. So, yeah, that leads to, my, to the point I was going to say is that I think uh, in the 90s, at least in America, it seemed to me... Now, I mean, I was a kid, so I can't talk from a specific business standpoint, but it seems to me that it was easier for businesses in general to do crossover events and partnerships, like temporary partnerships, than it is today. And in Japan, it they it doesn't seem to have gotten more difficult. That's the reason why they always have a bunch of crossover games or whatever. Um, and it, it's it's interesting to me how complicated it seems to be here i mean i'm honestly amazed that we got both project cross zones in um on the 3ds localized because that was that's a crap ton of different ips mm -hmm. that a licensing um, nightmare yeah it's a licensing nightmare in america for some crazy reason and um we just can't seem to to do it anymore so. i mean when i was at um the national video game museum we, there was a t-shirt, not sure if I jotted it on film, but there was a t-shirt that had um, Sonic the Hedgehog and the Keebler Elves together on the t-shirt for winning yeah. a contest. Yeah, You don't see that stuff. And I feel like, you know, stuff like that, in terms of license, licensing, shouldn't be that hard. Well, like, bring back the Pokemon Mac and Cheese, please. That's all I want in my life for Andy right now, is the Pokemon <laughs> Craft Mac and Cheese. Why is that gone? Well, yes. honestly, uh, I mean, we're lucky if we get things like Mario cereal, cereal. And, yeah, uh, and, and any type of happiness, any yeah. type of happiness is like, like a long shot, uh, and we don't see a lot of Mario happy meals, but if we you get a lot of Pokemon happy meals. Oh, uh, we do, Never but if you look at if you look at Japan, Japan, yeah, they get a Mario happy meal almost annually. Yeah, agree. Uh, True. I, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like. Splatoon is such a big game globally, you know, for Nintendo. It's not being pushed that way. They, yeah, they definitely need to step it up. Uh, I like these crossovers. You could mm -hmm. do something Agreed. like that here uh, with the the WWF, the World Wildlife Federation, or mm -hmm. I I I stress to say SeaWorld because of the SeaWorld backlash, but yeah, you probably could get away with doing something at SeaWorld, at least right before that Universal deal goes through. By, by the time that Universal deal is done, you can't do yeah, anything anywhere else as mm -hmm. far as park promotion. But Yeah, yeah that makes There's sense. a lot of opportunities. Uh, but these were, these were really cool news stories for this month. I, I always love to talk about Splatoon uh, because, you know, that I do love that game. It is one of my favorite games on the Switch, and it's, it was my favorite game on the Wii U. Uh, as far as the April Fool's Day jokes, I, I just found those to be Clever yeah. Mm -hmm. Team Rocket takes over the Twitter account. That is genius. It's nothing too crazy, but it's genius enough. It's super clever, super funny, and great to see. You know? Oh, yeah, and Agreed. as far as the Monopoly Gamer one, I honestly think that's the strangest story we have this month because it was announced and released in the same, the same day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was exclusive to one retailer. Mm -hmm. GameStop, yeah. It's so weird. One retailer I don't want to buy it from because they're going <laughs> to jack up no the price by five bucks. Yeah. All right, so yeah, that's gonna get us through our eight-bit news. I, guys, hit us up in the comments section, email us, let us know which news story you found to be the most interesting for this bi-weekly, uh, for this fortnight, and uh, not to be confused with the game Fortnite. 
But I want to slide into uh, something I did uh, just this past week. Uh, I guess it was a week ago. Uh, I went to this place in Orlando uh, called Joysticks Arcade, Arcade Lounge and Retro Bar. Uh, so it's a beer cave for those who don't understand the concept of a beer cave or barcade. It's literally a place where it's like half bar, half arcade. You go, you get drunk, you play a lot of retro video games. Uh, I went there with my fiance. We literally were bored at home. We're like, let's just go do something. We live in Florida. Like, there is so much to do here. Why don't we just go out? <laughs> Quick hop on Google Maps, typed in, you know, barcade and found a bunch that I was previously unaware of, and I'm planning on doing a video series. The first episode is currently up called Pixelated Places. So I basically chronicled the evening that we spent at uh, Joysticks Arcade Lounge, and it was a blast. Uh, first off, this place is themed, like themed to be a cross between like the mid to late 80s to the early 90s. Uh, Every drink on the menu that is a specialty drink is named after or representative of some type of film uh, or TV show. So the first drink we ordered happens to be the most expensive drink on the menu, and that was called a Hulk Smash. It's a $30 drink designed for two people to drink. It's like a cross between a margarita and a Long Island iced tea. Oh, and this thing is... It's massive and it smokes. You know, they drop a it little smokes. bit of dry. They drop a little bit of dry ice in the dry drink, ice. and it you know it literally smokes. And as much alcohol as they put in it, I'm surprised at how good it tasted. Uh, no, this is the not suitable for work section of the podcast. Or if you are under 18, you should not be listening. But anyhow, so so let uh, me guess. This is where your story ends because you forget the rest of the night because uh, you actually, drink. No, uh, just kidding. Because or, because of, because Orlando is an hour drive from Tampa, I always you know if I do drink in that city, I temper what I drink. I did yeah, drink yeah. though, but I was there long enough so that I wouldn't you know be uh, wasted on the way back. And we got there at <laughs> min- we got there at midnight. We stayed there till close, which was around two fifteen. Uh, hung around downtown a little bit because the club it's in the club district, so mm. you know walked around the downtown area, caught a couple Pokemon. Uh, but again, this place is really themed, so that was just one drink. They also have a drink that is designed to taste like Flintstone Push Pops. Do you guys remember oh Push Pops? Oh my Pop? god, those yeah. are my favorite. The orange yes. sherbet ones? Yes. I remember oh, god. Those it tastes exactly drink. like that. They have Ghostbusters okay. themed drinks. Oh. They have it all. They even have Showtune karaoke, guys. Okay. Wow. That did, Where did you can get up on stage. Huh? You know, did I didn't do any I didn't do any karaoke. Do uh, just be- we got there late. I mean, the karaoke ended at one, and we got there at oh, midnight. Oh, that sucks. So I wanted to film a little bit. I wanted to drink a little bit, and I wanted to just enjoy my time there. But my favorite thing, it, there were two things that I re- that really stood out to me in this in this uh, barcade. The first one being that their top shelf liquor is placed on a Donkey Kong stage. Uh, That's sick. It even has like the oil barrels, you know, the little fire, mm-hmm. the fry guys, and Donkey Kong and Mario on the stage. Oddly, no Pauline, but it is what it is. It looked really good, and it's a really, really clever way to, to you know, showcase their, uh, their liquor shelf. And then the other thing that really caught my attention, the thing that I probably loved the most there, 
was the uh, piranha plant in the center of the bar, a fully life-sized piranha plant. That looks like a cross between a piranha plant and, uh, what is it called? The Little Shop of Horrors uh, Venus Flytrap. Oh, oh yeah. Audrey 2. Audrey yes, two. Audrey 2. Yes, it was so clever. Like, the way they crossed those two, like, things over, and I'm like, wow. That's, I fell in love clever. with this place. I cannot wait to go back. Uh, and it was definitely, you know, just going there made me think, is like, man, I could do a whole series on stuff like this. And I was like, you know what? I've taken enough footage and I've taken enough pictures here that I can compile it into a video. So that's up on YouTube right now. YouTube.com slash Nintendo Power Zone. You can watch the first episode of Pixelated Places. And you can take a look at this bar, uh, this barcade for yourself, guys, because I promise you, it was a blast. And you can tell that I had a blast because I'm literally filming everything almost frantically. I'm taking a crap ton of pictures. I had a lot of drinks. But I think the one thing I neglected to point out, every game is free. Every oh, game different. is free. That's really different. And they have it all. They got Donkey Kong, Fix It, Feel It Jr. from Wreck-It Ralph. They had Tron, the original Tron arcade game. Uh, they have air hockey. They have it all. They they literally they did this place right. I don't know if every place I go to is gonna be able to stand up to a, a joystick arcade lounge because this is one of the coolest places I've ever been to in my life, and I will be going back. Um, I actually have to ask as well. So for pixelated places, is it only going to be beer arcades, or would you go to other more retro inspired places or arcades that you managed to find? Actually, I have been looking at other, you know, video game themed places, not just here, mm -hmm. but in places that, you know, I visit, you know, because mm -hmm. of, you know, where family is. There's a video mm -hmm. game museum that's around 45 minutes from where I currently live. It's the only museum in the state of Florida for video games, but it's also the largest selection of pinball, uh, it, you know, in, in the state of Florida. So I am going to go there. I love pinball and, you know, I just mm -hmm. love video games in general, especially Nintendo, but I'm going to be going there. I'll go to a couple other beer cades as well. I want to showcase, you know, that America loves Nintendo, and I want to do that before the theme park can open because I feel oh, like yes. the theme park opening is going to take you love Nintendo. Exactly, you know, the and, and the theme park is going to take away from these places. These mm -hmm. places provide like a smaller, you know, more uh, intimate, you know, environment for you to enjoy. Yeah. And the theme park is going to be what a theme park grand. is: crowded, grand, and and busy, mm -hmm. and, and these places offer this intimate experience that I just don't think the theme park mm -hmm. will get you. Now, it won't be as authentic as the theme park, but it will have its own charm, and I want to highlight that before that park can open. I think I might take your lead, and I might make, uh, if I can find a place, a uh, pixelated places video as well. It won't be a beer cage just because, A, I'm not 21, uh, B, I don't drink anyways, even if it was 21, so beers, bars aren't my thing. So, but I'll take a look at what's around me. I'll definitely, I'll definitely take a look. Yeah, I've yeah. got a place around here that I could probably do. Um, but it's funny. I um, it's called AFK Gamer Lounge, and it's in San Jose, California. And you'd think there'd be more places around here like that, but uh, when you find out, because California is crazy the high, where it started. Yeah, yeah. You'd think there'd be more here, but um, specifically in San Jose, the rent's pretty crazy for businesses. So. Um, uh, what if whatever ones that used to be out there probably are gone? <laughs> so. Well, yeah, and you have to think that they're going to be more 
localized, lo- located around where the tourism goes. Like the yeah. majority of the ones I found are in Orlando, Orlando. which, you know, I live in Tampa, so it's an easy drive, but they're that in places sense. where the tourism is at its, its higher. Yeah. When I was looking, you know, for, you know, I have family in, you know, North Carolina, you know, Tennessee and uh, Georgia. I'm looking there and they're, it's, they don't have them to the degree that they have them here in Florida. I'm like, wow, you would think this is a way to really engage like a niche market of people. And the thing, the thing with gamers is when they go to a place and they like it, like they're, they stick by it, you know, mm-hmm. they really will. And it's almost, you're almost guaranteeing, uh, you know, your, their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as long as that business is sustainable, yeah. you know, those places aren't going to go out of business. I found out that the Joysticks place has actually been there for three years now. And it's in the That's heart. Of, it's in the heart of downtown. And what's yeah. so crazy about it is their drinks are so good that hmm. people go there just for their drinks as a pit stop. That's how good <laughs> their drinks are. That's funny. And surprised, like I said, I did order the most expensive drink on the menu. But I was there, you know, with my fiance. We were there to drink together, and we could handle a drink of that caliber. So, but, just uh, for reference, uh, how much was that drink? Uh, thirty dollars. That's uh, not bad. Thirty dollars on one big drink. If you guys see it in the picture in the video, it's it's a big drink, and it it's designed for two people. I wasn't the only person at the at the bar mm-hmm. that ordered it. It was actually a lot of people ordering that, and uh, <laughs> they have a couple of these shots. That are great. My favorite shot was uh, called Nerds, and it literally has nerds at the bottom of the shot. That's awesome. I'm, and it tastes. There's a lot of candy it, here. I feel like. Oh man, dude, you don't have to worry about alcohol poisoning. You have to worry about diabetes in this place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I'm not kidding. I was more worried. I was like, man, I I have a history of diabetes in my family. Y'all trying to give me a sugar overdose? But no, <laughs> it was a it was a great place, and uh. I was there for two and a half hours, essentially, and this is just me being bored at home when I say, I live in Florida. I need to do something. We went, and it was one of the best nights that we've had in a long time, and yeah, I definitely want to bring my friends and family there, too, because it's an experience that I want to share because that's how fun and intimate this place is, and who <laughs> who doesn't want to get down with uh, some show tune karaoke? That's pretty cool. But um, yeah, but is it time to move on now? We yep. got the uh, detective himself, right? Yes, yes. Let's move on. I have been playing a lot of Detective Pikachu on my second uh, uh, playthrough of it, and this is a game that utterly confused me going in. Uh, I remember the conversations that uh, you know the Pokemon Company president had saying that this game could potentially be bad for Pikachu's image overall. That that's pretty jarring statement to come from the president of the Pokemon Company, uh, Kimishima. But uh, the game got released in 2016 in Japan, and it was supposed to be an episodic content game similar to like the Walking Dead series or the other Telltale games. And they dropped episode one and two uh, pretty much simultaneously, and then they never released another part. And here we are, two years later, and they released a full packaged game with. Probably the greatest amiibo ever, and I mean that greatest amiibo ever. And uh, it's a cute game. Uh, if I want to talk, I want to talk about the story a little bit. It starts off a little bit darker 
than your typical Pokemon game, uh, but not as grand. In Pokemon games, you end up saving the world somehow in the mainline games. Uh, in this game, you're just trying to find out what happened to the main character's father and what's going on with the Pokemon in this uh, this city. Not region, just this city, uh, Rhyme City. And that's basically the crux of the game, just figuring out what is happening and what has happened to this character. Uh, as far as the gameplay is concerned, it is like a cross between uh, Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, which it's charming. It, it definitely skews a lot easier than those two games. Uh, you can tell that they wanted this to be like an entry point to those type of uh, point-and-click style games. And it's really cute. Uh, the only thing I have issues with as far as the gameplay is concerned is that you could physically know the answer to, you know, the question that you would know who done what in what chapter and the game will not let you solve it until you've, you know, met the task that it wants you to meet. Uh, and I guess that's for, you know, younger gamers just to make sure they can't like really skip through anything. There is a lot of reading, but the game does have a great uh, voice cast as well for its cutscenes. So I thought the gameplay of it, like I said, cross between Layton and Phoenix Wright, but skewing a little bit younger. As far as uh, the amiibo support is concerned, this is some of my favorite amiibo support in a game. So throughout the game, uh, while you're solving the mysteries, you get these Pika prompts. Pika prompts are small cutscenes in which Pikachu gets to showcase his specific personality or he'll sometimes give you little you know, hints on how to be a better detective. And what the amiibo support does is it unlocks any Pika prompts that you didn't find throughout the course of playing the game, which was great because during the review process of this game, I didn't have a chance to look at all the Pika prompts. I was trying to write the review in a timely fashion. So getting to watch the Pika prompts with the Amiibo support, I thought that was great. So for any like, you know, non-advanced gamers, you know, they have the opportunity to see these Pika prompts without actively you know, going into a Pika prompt within the main story. Uh, I do want to say this. I have been really negative about a Detective Pikachu movie, and I will say that my opinion has somewhat changed based on actually having played the game and seeing that the game had a little bit of a darker story to it, despite skewing younger as far as gameplay is concerned. They, I don't think they, you know, were stingy with, like, the more dark detective-y, you know, type of uh, story that the game had. So I think that a movie done in a similar vein could definitely work. I'm still not happy with Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu. I think that's god-awful. Yeah, it's not a good choice. Ryan Reynolds only plays Ryan Reynolds in movies. He's not a bad actor when he's Deadpool, but Deadpool is literally just Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, pretty uh, much. But yeah, he's born I to think... play that part. <laughs> Just like uh, Robert Downey Jr. was born to be Iron Man. Yeah, there, exactly. There are people who are designed for certain things, and those two guys just happen to fall right into place. Mm -hmm. But uh, to see him as Detective Pikachu is going to be off-putting because I don't necessarily think he can pull off the gruff detective mm -hmm. uh, thing that you know the actual voice actor in the game has. But it is what it is. I, I will say that if they can at least be true to the story of the game, I think that it could actually be a good movie. So I will rescind some of my previous statements based on having played the game and having a chance to experience that for myself. Uh, my only other thing is I do want to say 
as much as I enjoyed this game, I do not think it's a proper send-off for Pokemon on the 3DS. Uh, I love Pokemon so much. To see this be the final game for the 3DS, it's, it's almost a little sad because they could have ended it with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and it would have been okay. Probably better if they ended on Sun and Moon, even though those games, you know, as far as difficulty is concerned, they skew probably the youngest in the Pokemon franchise as a whole. But uh, this game is just a little too different, you know, to truly be seen as a Pokemon game. It it definitely fills the role of the Pokemon spinoff games, which we haven't got in a while. Probably would have been better suited on, Switch. A, on the Switch. I, I did want to say that. Uh, graphically, this is the best-looking Pokemon game that isn't Pokemon Tournament. Mm. Like they, they did such a good job, and the motion capture on Pikachu, mm. as terrifying as that looked initially when we all saw it, it really works. It really works, and uh, I do want to shout out the uh, there's this one little cameo appearance that I just have to spoil. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. Ash's Pikachu does make an appearance okay. in Detective Pikachu pretty early on, and it's blatantly Ash's Pikachu, which basically puts this game in the canon of the anime. So, oh yeah, that was that was pretty cool, and I think that's really the first time I can remember you know a a game referencing the anime so specifically. So, as far as the Pokemon franchise is concerned, wait, 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 wait. So, could this mean so the main character in in Jack Pikachu's name is Jack, right? Tim. Tim. I don't know where I got Jack from. Does it mean that Tim could be the new Ash in the anime once they finish Sun and Moon? I doubt instead it, but... of it, instead of Ash's Pikachu, it's Tim's Detective Pikachu. That would be pretty cool. I would watch a Detective Pikachu mini. No, 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 it's, it's it's the same Pokemon anime, but we have a new protagonist with a new Pikachu who is Detective Pikachu. I would watch I would that. totally watch that. I would totally watch that. But uh, that actually reminded me. Do you guys remember when Pokemon Snap came out? Um, mm-hmm. right in, I don't know. If well, I don't remember it. when, but I've played. I've played it. Yeah. I when the original when, out, Snap, when Snap came out, the it anime with crossed over. Yeah, they had the character with the camera, yeah. right? Todd or Snap, because there was oh, yeah, yeah. the character mm-hmm. crossed over into the anime a couple mm-hmm. of times. Yeah, I was. He was also in Chronicles. Yes, yes, he he had his own episode. I would appreciate them to do something like that to have Detective Pikachu show up in Alola and working mm-hmm. with Officer Jenny. That oh, would that'd be, be great. cool. I would watch that'd a really I would watch cool. a whole episode. I would watch a whole series of Detective Pikachu. But if you want to give me any kind of crossover. Have have Detective Pikachu and Tim go to go to the Alola region and have them solve like an Ultra Beast mission with the Looker. Yes, Detective Pikachu, Officer Jenny, and the Looker. That is your super crime fighting force right there. Pokemon anime team, make that happen. I Looker, that. I don't like you mentioned Looker because that's something I want to talk about later in this episode. So hold, put Looker <laughs> on hold. Although, could we put could we take Ash and the gang to um Rhine City, whatever it's called? It's Rhine City, right? Rhyme City, R-Y-M-E. Yeah. All right, Rhyme City. Could we put Detective Pikachu, or put Ash in Rhyme City for an episode of the anime? If that they might be do sp- it, if they hmm. do it, I don't want them to do it as an episode. I want them to do it as a feature. All right. Feature All film. Right. Like, uh, really, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Make it a whole movie. You could have the two yeah. Pikachus like, interacting. Like Necrozma and Detective Pikachu. Like, they do, like, the, the Hoopa and the, like, Gates or whatever. And then exactly. Do- what would be cool, though, 
is that Detective Pikachu can't use any electric attacks. So to have him interacting with a normal Pikachu that can, I would love to see like how Ash's Pikachu actually interacts with Detective Pikachu in like a battle sense. Like, like what mm-hmm. are you doing? Pikachu, Pikachu! And he's like, I yeah. can't use that move. Yeah, he kidding me. Pikachu attack. pulls out a snub nose thirty eight revolver, <laughs> and he's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> I can't use no attacks." I would just love to see how that would work in the course of a film. And it would have to be something funny, like have it be like a a Charizard like that's like five times its normal size and just have them freaking out at each other. I can't do quick attack. It would be great. No, to have I think they should definitely cross the character over. Yeah. And I and I definitely think this game deserves a sequel. I think this is a brilliant no. way of expanding the Pokemon brand. But it takes Pikachu and it it takes away all the things we love about Pikachu and gives us new things to love about the character. Yeah. When when you mentioned sequel, um, and I only mentioned earlier, I didn't want to talk about it, but now I think I have to. For the for the movie we're getting, I feel like that movie might be not a retelling of the story, but a sequel to this game's story, and that maybe they would also structure it so that you don't need to watch the first or play the play the game to understand it really. I think that's the best course of action here. It's a similar, like, has similar vibes and feelings, but they could get away with the original story. They could get away with it. The game ends open endedly. Mm-hmm. And I won't spoil the ending. Uh, I don't, you know, I want people to play this game, but mm-hmm. it does have an open end that could definitely lead to a sequel. And in the movie, what was why I would assume how how they want to do that is really interesting. If the if the film mm-hmm. wants to go that route. That would be that would probably be better, uh, just because I don't necessarily need to see a retelling of the mm-hmm. game. Although by the time the movie does come out, there there will be like the space of a year separating the yeah. release of the game and the you know launch of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the one other thing I I feel weird about the timing of the release of this game. Yeah, knowing that the it movie is, is off a year, I as glad as I am to have played this game, as glad as I am to have you know, experienced it, it is really weird timing. It's almost, hey, we need a space filler, guys. Let's, mm-hmm. let's drop this. Or we need to show that we're still supporting 3DS, so mm-hmm. we'll give them this game now. And marketing-wise and timing-wise, it's off. But yeah. I will say this. The Amiibo, the Amiibo itself that they tied to this game, I see this thing just selling more than the game. Yeah, it's a really solid amiibo. I'm still. I bought two, one for in box and one for out of box, uh, just because I like I'm a collector like that, and one in and one out. And uh, they are selling like crazy here. The di- first day, yeah. I was checking inventories for all the local GameStops. Nobody had it. Targets didn't have it. The only place that has it is Toys R Us, and because of the uh, liquidation sales, they're selling fast there too. So yeah. But, uh, yeah, those are my overall thoughts. Uh, for you got for anybody who wants a more in-depth review of Detective Pikachu, go ahead and watch my video review. It's on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nintendo Power Zone. Hope you guys really enjoy that. And, uh, again, it's time to move into our next topic. But before we do that, we're going to take a five-minute commercial break, and we're going to talk about Pokemon on the Nintendo Switch. So don't go anywhere, okay, guys?
welcome back to Nintendo Power Zone. We are a bi-weekly video cast podcast dedicated to the best Nintendo-related topics. And as far as best Nintendo-related topics are concerned, I think we have one that's on the forefront of everybody's mind, especially with E3 coming up. And that's Pokemon Switch. We want to know more about this game. We've got no information. They literally haven't said anything since E3. Uh, so we're here to just speculate. We're gonna we're gonna take those detective hats that we wore during the Detective Pikachu conversation. We're gonna keep them on, and we're gonna slide them into our Pokemon Switch uh, predictions or what do we want? Speculation. Our Pokemon Switch speculation show. So, first things first. What returning features do you guys want in this new mainline game? Um, it's it's an odd feature, but it was removed for like all the games that could have been really good. Um, but the mail system, like the mail, was an item that you could buy in the shops. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And, and the point, the point of mail was really cool that you could write a little message and then give it to a Pokemon as held item, and then trade it to your friend, and they get the little mail message. Yeah. Which you know was cool, except you know we didn't have the online that we have now for like GTS trading or just Wonder Trade. Wonder Trade would make that feature so cool. Wait, but, okay, so uh, just as a reminder, mail was pearl and diamond. It was it was definitely Gen three. I'm not sure if it was Gen four. It was definitely Gen three. Gen three was ruby sapphire. And emerald, yes. It was yeah, not okay. returning in Ruby or Mega Ruby or Alpha Sapphire, though. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get it right? straight for the people who don't know offhand. Yeah, so. it was such an underused item at the time, specifically because of the online features. Um, but now it would work perfectly. I want mail. If anything comes mm-hmm. back, I want mail. <laughs> I know. But. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah this is a pretty good feature, actually. I did, this one I, I haven't really thought about, you know, golden, you know, diamond and pearl and so on, that that's a feature that I. Yeah, completely neglected in my thought process. Um, Jaden, what do you got? Uh, you know, when it comes to extra features, so so uh, let, let me just stri- say straight out that my favorite out of all of them were the X and Y generation. I thought overall that had probably the best story, and um, I was the most invested with it. But in terms of extra features, I something about something about Pearl and and Diamond with the underground. And um, I think that was the one where you were able to carry around uh, the little bushes with you to, to, to grow berries on the go. Um, being able to make the little, what is it, puff things? The cream puffs or what? Uh, shit, uh, I'm blanking on what they were actually called. Poffins for contests. Yes, those things were super cool. I really enjoyed that feature. I One of the dumb things I really, really liked was being able to... Um, decorate like your pokeball you know what i'm talking the about ball capsules. that was ball the capsule. next thing that i was going to talk about actually yeah. you already covered a couple more ball capsules needed to come back in x and y because with the 3d graphics they could have been good again yeah right like and so one of the things that 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 was always a bit weird to me with ball capsules in general is that you can't change your balls you know mm. no and i really wish like what i what i've always wanted to do is i've always wanted to get a full team where um they're the inverse colors, where it's yeah. the white with the red, the the celebration balls, whatever the hell they call them. The, um, there's the cherished balls tr- and the prison balls. But prison balls, I think, what you're talking about. No, no, I'm talking about the ones where if you buy ten Pokeballs at a time, yeah, they pr- give you an um, extra one. Pr- prison balls, or not? Premier balls, premier balls. Premier. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, prison. Oh my god. 
Yeah, yes, I've Premier always ball. wanted to be able to to just have a full team in, in Premier Balls, but mm-hmm. you can't swap balls? Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. weird to me. And yeah. that's a feature that I've always wanted in the game, but they've never done. So that's you can breed the balls now. If weird. you have yeah, if you have a Pokemon that's caught in a Premier Ball, you can then breed it and it will carry down the Premier Ball in the offspring, which is kinda of cool. Oh, Previously I've... it was only Pokeballs. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That's that's something I never actually noticed in uh, Ultra Sun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, huh, interesting. Um, I but- also do agree with the underground. The underground was really really cool. Plus, it was the best way to do fossils. Fossils were oh, really yeah. well. All right, underground so- was such an underutilized feature. Yes, it was yes, so it was. good. I have so many so good memories of dicking around in the underground when I should have been paying attention in class. But I mean. <laughs> It was so weird that they took it away because it was basically like an entirely different. Um, it was like a post game, you know what I mean? That you just dick around with your friends, but not being a real post game. I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh man, I kind of want to ape off of your Pokeballs just a little bit, but mine's a little bit more specific. I want Apricorns to return from Pokemon Gold yeah. and Silver, and I want to mm. be able to make those specific balls that we had in uh, Pokemon Gold Silver. I know it's a cheesy feature, especially since you can just like buy like dive balls and net balls and the the nighttime ball. I don't remember what they're all called. But there was something satisfying about, you know, picking an apricot and then taking it to the old man and having him fashion you a custom Pokeball, I love that. I really did. I also yeah. want Pokegear to come back from that game. I thought that was a Really great feature in well, uh, the radio was great. Um, that, and then just being able to like randomly call, call, people. M- call mm-hmm. NPCs. But yeah. if the, po- the Pokegear comes back, I want it to be a little bit more fully functioned in the fact that I want to be able to use Pokegear to contact people in my friends list and have a conversation with them. Like, hey, are you? Do you want to trade or do you want to battle? I want to be able to use the Pokegear in a real world functional type of way even if i have to use the app to do that make that app functional for something more than just splatoon right now and bring back voice chat to pokemon because we haven't had voice chat in pokemon since diamond and pearl no it was in black and white as well as i believe it was, was it? X and Y. I don't know if it was in sun and moon i didn't play too much with friends in sun and moon but it was it was in i did um, love voice chat on my ds uh i have a very Weird story about that. When uh, when that game came out, I was in college, so mm-hmm. so was Mario After Party, but he was going to college in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how we actually communicated to each other. Like, I would call him on. via Pokemon, and we'd, we'd be trading Pokemon and talking to each other like an everyday conversation. So I definitely think that's a feature that would be really cool to add to the Switch version. Um, so I don't want to bring that game. But also jump a bit into the online section without actually we're not jumping in. There's the more features I want to talk about. Um, but I want the place player search system, the PSS, to return from Mega Ruby Alpha Sapphire and X and Y. They ditched it in um Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, and Sun and Moon for the Festival Plaza, which I liked that they brought back the shopping mall from Black to White to. But I like player search system more simply because I could be doing anything and someone could challenge me to a battle. Otherwise, oh, yeah, it was always on. Yeah, that was cool. Off. I do agree. But then having to go into Festival Plaza was just annoying. If I wanted to meet a random stranger, I had to go through Festival Plaza, which wasn't convenient. 
Yeah. I never use Festival Plaza. It's Yeah. Agreed. I don't even touch it. I don't touch it. No. I don't care about the Pokemon missions. I would care mm-hmm. about them if I didn't have to enter a separate like screen. Yeah. It's just there and I could access it like at the bottom screen. Mm-hmm. Although that brings us to a new conundrum with the single screen, you know, of the Switch. Mm-hmm. Where do these features go? Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. I almost wonder if it maybe a notification that pops up, but that's not the same thing. I don't know. Um, I I have no clue. Um, but I do know that I didn't want to go into online yet because I still want to talk about headbutting trees needs to come back. I agree with mm-hmm. Apricorns. Um, I want the honey system to come back too. Like every single way you could get in an encounter that wasn't like traditionally walking through grass or fishing, I want back. So that's like oh, honey trees, that sweet scent, that's um um the the I've already forgotten now. Headbutting trees, etc. Stuff like Did that. Did they take that out back. in Ultra Sun and Moon? Headbutting trees has been out for a while. It was only oh, really in the other things. Oh, honey. Um, honey's in. It's just not like a thing. Like you could in Diamond and Pearl, you could you just open a can of honey acted like sweet scent. You could slather it on trees to get exclusive Pokemon. Um, but now it's just like it's an item that's not easy to find and just works like hmm. sweet scent, sweet scent, and that's all pretty much. Which is really annoying. Um. And then I also want bug catching contests and stuff like that to return. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. But that made the world of Gen 2 feel much more alive, where on every, what, Tuesday or Thursday or whatever it was, there was a bug catching contest at this time, at this place. And that was so cool. I feel like maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be a bug catching contest. Maybe like a Safari Zone scavenger hunt could be cool sometimes. I don't know. I mean, Safari Zone would be cool to come back in total. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed, yeah. But didn't didn't Diamond and Pearl also have something similar where they had certain dayed events? More or less, not really though. Um, it's been so long since I played, I can't even. It, really it, remember. it didn't really. It had like some stuff that would happen from time to time, like what? So um, the Drift Loon would appear outside Valley Windworks on like certain days hmm. in the morning. Rotom was available to find the TV in the early mornings, um, and then like. Yeah, that's it, pretty much. There were certain things that were like contests. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, there wasn't really much in Gen Four, though. As far as additional, uh, you know, returning, you know, features I want back in the game, I think the one feature I, I desire the most out of all others, is an extra region. Uh, like yeah, yeah Gen had. Two, Gen Two had Johto and Kanto. Yeah. Um, but that's something we're going to go to later, I believe, right? Or is that the next talking point we're going to uh, Let's see. So, well, yeah, we can use that to segue. Yeah. Well, really, really, really quick. The last feature, which I know is kind of a... Um, uh, it's an obvious one, but I really liked how XY's is, uh, X and Y's customizability of the avatar. Yeah. That was really cool. I think I mean, that's the standard at this point. The yeah. reason it wasn't a standard in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire is because Brandon and May are Brandon and May. Yeah, I think that's a thing that'll stick around for a while at this point, though. I hope so. Um, right, but using that as a feature, let's uh, let's talk about the the overall game as a whole. Do you think this is going to be set in a pre-existing region, or is this more of like a reboot, just you know, like the traditional new region, or is this a reboot set in Kanto? So, I think it's not only a new region, but I think we're getting. A new dimension. I think our starter main character will be from the Ultra Space. I think mm. he's going to be from like Megalopolis or whatever. Because um, we know they have 
children who get starting Pokemon, Poipole was a traditional starter from the Ultra Space, um, usually. So we could get Ultra Space starters and then go through the Ultra Space as the main region or maybe swap back and forth between Ultra Space and a actual main region. But this allows us to sort of fill in loose ends and visit certain places such as like we could go to a certain area of Kanto to interact with characters that we might have seen, like Bill. We could see, we could jump into a wormhole to see Bill talking with Lily and her mother, um, Musamine, um, after the events of Sun and Moon. That would be pretty cool. Oh, it allows us to sort of connect all, the re- connect all the regions, but only lock it so like, you only get like Bill's house. You can't leave Bill's house for some reason. But you can, you can go into other settings, other regions... But still, just focus on the main region you're in and the ultra space region that's also there. That's how I think it should be done. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack real quick. Uh, well, one of the features I forgot that that you reminded me of blues with uh, with mention of Lucimine. I want them to feature more waifu material because that was that was fantastic. <laughs> and and if they could add some more Olivia husband Wick or um Lucimine. Oh, for me it was Lucimine. Yeah, Lucimine? I'm, okay. so uh, a little bit of self disclosure. I'm all into the crazy Andre. Like okay, that that's my thing. But okay. anyway, no. But uh, I also would like to see um, Nintendo throw in some Hasbando material because all they had was a uh, oh, shoot. I'm blanking on the professor's name. In, oh, um, Kukui. Kukui. Yeah, they had Kukui, but they left all the females and the LGBT spectrum guys high and dry. <laughs> I, I feel you know. I feel like um, there was a decent bit of um Hasbandos. There was um, what's his face? Um, I'm I just. Kiawe, the fire type guy. Um, he oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah so. Um, there's there's more people than I, I don't remember any of them now, but I feel like there's more people give credit for. There were a lot of other ones. They're kind of like, eh? like Hala and um, and the electric guy. Um, I mean, Hala is if you're like if you're into bears. I mean, bears are like old man. He's he's a great. I love Hala as a character. He's not Hasbando material though. I agree. Um, maybe if you like bears. Um, <laughs> We're getting off. Anyway, the sorry to um, sorry yeah. to derail that. My bad. Yeah. I just had and to throw in some uh, some credit for for Nintendo's new waifu strategy because it's working for me. Um, but, but I, in, ter- I, in terms of uh, uh, of the game, I I want to say they're gonna follow their their trend of being a new area. Where I have no idea, but um, I'd like to see. A new area in tandem with an old one. So kind of doing a throwback to, to Gen 2. I think it'd be cool. I think it's going to be Ultra Space. I think Ultra Space is still unexplored. Having a main character from Ultra Space could answer a lot of questions that were left after the Sun and Moon games. As well as just... I think they're almost setting us up for it with Poipole. Because Poipole yeah. is a starter Pokemon just from Ultra Space. I think they're setting us up for this. I think, See, stuff. Cool. I think it answers a lot of questions if they allow it to happen. And I think it's really, really cool to set it in another dimension, pretty much. That's, that that's my theory. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the odd duck here, but I, okay. want, I want a cancel reboot. But I want it done in a way that is more reflective of the current times we live in. Mm-hmm. Pokemon is supposed to be slightly more advanced than we are currently. So I would like to see an updated Kanto that is more reflective of the kinds of technology that we have now, but with you know, set in that in that space where they take what we that's what's currently existing, but they put their spin on it to make it look a little bit more futuristic. And I just I like the Kanto region 
so much. It's it's so great, and they, there's so much more they could explore with it if they were to update it. But mm-hmm. I would also like them to have an additional region, something that's not Johto, mm-hmm. something that's not necessarily any of the other regions we've previously had, but something that's close enough that they could explain how you would be able to get there. Uh, mm-hmm. And if that takes the form of a new region, that would be legit. Uh, I know that they've said they wanted to explore something bigger, something more open world because of the inspiration they took from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So that could really affect mm-hmm. how we play these games in terms of regions. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Breath of the Wild showed us how much you could do with just one space of the game. Like The Great Plateau is massive and it's less than 1% of the game overall. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how does Pokemon embrace that? Can you can we see, you know, two, three, four regions in a game that's specifically designed for the Switch, something bigger, something that really takes advantage of the hardware in that way? Um, I think if we do get a returning reboot or just a remake of a specific region, I think they need to be changed heavily to, to reflect what, what's going to be modern times we live in. Mm. Um, like, like, we now live in a world where Pokemon don't have HMs anymore. It's... It's all just the fried Pokemon now. I think it's the move that they want to switch to, which doesn't fit Kanto. So my proposition for this is you make a new sort of Kanto story. Everything's the same. Maybe start backwards, though. You start at, like, the end, like, a town that's not Pallet Town. I don't think you could even do that. That's, like, sacrilege. But they did that in Black 2 compared to White um, Black 1. As well as in Generation 2, you started not in Pallet Town, I believe, as well. You went sort of zigzaggy from the story. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, you should have to start sort of backwards, tell a new story, and then instead of HMs, you can use the ride poke one for different kinds of puzzles. So where you'd mm. find the HM for Surf in, in the Safari Zone, you don't need to do that necessarily, um, but that's taken out, but you still have the Safari Zone, etc. and stuff like that. Mm. That's how I think that should be done. I don't know. Alright, so let's uh, let's go ahead and segue. Mm-hmm. For the last two decades, the Game Freak has said that Pokemon is a handheld experience and should always be on a handheld system. With the Switch being both portable and console system, is there a possibility that Game Freak excludes a dock mode for this new Pokemon game? Just a handheld-only Pokemon experience? I well, think no. I think uh, I really want to shout out to SSB Candidates, because he's got... Or she? Or... Um, they they've got a great uh, idea with uh, a Facebook like thing in Pokemon. I think that'd be pretty legit. Honestly, that'd be pretty cool. Um, that's something I want to get on later. Actually, when we talk yeah. about the online features, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm just I'm just saying we should we should table it for later because that's a really yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. thing. I actually kind of like his other uh, comment too. He uh, points out it could be like a Monster Hunter slash Fallout hybrid, one that. <laughs> Embraces cool. like the open worldness of Pokemon, a game that actually takes advantage of the fact that Pokemon are supposed to be physically visible everywhere you look. Yeah, so you can see them in like the uh, the overworld map at all times. That would be cool because instead of just having it be a random encounter, you choose that encounter. Yeah, I, mean, cool. I, I, yeah. I think that if they did something like that, that it would have to be. Um, There's a rumor a while back about how it would be. A more of a live action battle system in the Switch version, similar to um, Nino Kuni or the Digimon games. Um, and he, if they did it like Nino Kuni, I think that would work really, really well. 
Um, well, in terms of it being mobile only, um, my verdict is no. I think Pokemon Company likes to make things traditional, and they have their standards, but I think they are willing to make the change if it's there. As well as I feel like it's not necessarily shooting themselves in the foot by not making it docked, but it's one of those things like, why can't you include it? Why restrict this just because? I feel like that's really going to hurt them if they do. Um, but no, they've been, we saw when they were overall using sprites, they were very adamant about how sprites are the pinnacle of beauty. We're not going 3D because 3D looks like crash. We, we know 3D. We're sticking sprites. 3D sprites are beautiful. Um, and then they jumped to 3D when it was sort of needed to. And they made that transition despite being stuck on that idea of sprites. Um, so I think being a mobile experience won't really deter them. Um, we look at features that were cut out in certain games like 3D. I feel like that's just one of those things where it wasn't necessary. N not many people used the 3D. I loved it, and then people used it. So it wasn't too necessary. Um, and it, in Sun and Moon, it sort of was too much for the system to handle to allow people to use it as well. See, um, I'm not 100% adverse to it being a handheld-only experience. I think... We've played Pokemon games, you know, if you're as old as I am, we've played them for the last, like, 20 years. And in handheld, and I don't think you gain anything necessarily by having a dock mode in the game. You don't. Oh, pretty much. Actually, yeah, it will be a missed opportunity for, like, a niche of people that want to play docked. Uh, I mean, because let's face it, most people play Pokemon at home versus, mm -hmm. you know, out on the go. I'm, I mean, yeah. sure there's a large number of people that do play Pokemon everywhere they go, but... Mm -hmm. You play it in your house on the handheld, though, but you exactly. can take it with you. Yeah, but yeah, why would why not use that opportunity? But I, I I just don't feel like the Pokemon Company Game Freak. I feel like they feel beholden to keeping the franchise portable and a interactive experience. They want you to go out and meet people. They want you to go out and have an experience. They want you to trade with people. They want you to battle with people. And even though they've embraced online functionalities in you know later Pokemon games, they have been really hesitant to provide their own console-based experience. If you look at it, all the console experiences that we have that are reflective of a traditional Pokemon game, like Pokemon Stadium or Pokemon Coliseum, mm -hmm. those games are made by other companies. They're not made... By Game Freak, they're not in-house developed games. Yeah. So I could honestly see them, you know, foregoing a dock mode and just saying, "Hey, this is how we present Pokemon to the world, and this is how we will do it until somebody else takes charge of this company and forces forces our hand." I mean, I think that's just one of those things that they should always be down to the player's choice. Players that will go portable will go portable. Players that will stay at home will stay at home. Um, and if, you know, people will play portable only, you know, it doesn't necessarily encourage either way going out and meeting people to play Pokemon, especially when the Switch itself is just a portable console. You can just do that anyways if you wanted to. You know, if I want to play Dock Mode, I probably won't maybe get out as much to, to meet people. But if I'm more of a portable guy, I might. I think it just goes down to the player's choice, and there's no reason you're already doing that with the Switch. Why limit it? Yeah. I think the only way they'd ever limit it to dock mode only is if they have specific a uh, 
touchscreen features, which I can't really see happening with yeah. a standard Pokemon game. I could see it happening Agreed. for like Pokemon Ranger. Ranger? Yeah. Because they mm-hmm. could do Ranger on the Switch. It'd be kind of weird without the dual touch mm-hmm. the dual screens, but yeah. you'd still have that touch screen, so theoretically you could make mm-hmm. it work. But um, with a main well, franchise... It would be as they... simple as a, a screen transition you know, yeah. for Pokemon Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm saying with the main series, if well, assuming that it follows the, uh, the traditional formula um, and doesn't derivate too drastically... I don't see any reason why they would limit themselves that way, especially yeah. since when you're when you're docked, you get the upscaling mm-hmm. and um, the faster processing. So well, that charging makes sense. Is like more inconvenient while playing. You have to unplug your cord. Yeah, to charge does Game Freak necessarily have the manpower to make a game like this? Be like upscaled again? Yeah, with or one with the scope of a Breath of the Wild or a Mario Odyssey because. They split into two teams. Uh, we had they one did. team developing Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and mm-hmm. that was we'll call them the B team with the younger development staff. And now mm-hmm. we've got the older development staff, and we didn't. They never said if or what they were working on. So by splitting their manpower, did they necessarily were they able to make a game that could get docked and upscaled and looks the way we all think a Pokemon game should look in 2018? I assume I they've been yes. working on it for a while. I think, uh, yeah, I think this started production near the end of the first Sun and Moon game, um, and that was technically a while ago at this point. Um, God, if anything, they probably started during production of Sun and Moon, yeah. so mm-hmm. I think they've had a, a pretty good head start. Um, they have this down to a science where they can crank these out faster as well. We're seeing a lot more Pokemon games coming out a lot faster. Yeah, they also did the thing where Sun and Moon, they created the, like, Pokemon engine. So, mm-hmm. assuming that they're not recreating the engine, it should cut development time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, these are a bunch of assumptions, because we don't know anything about the actual game itself yet. Okay. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Making, if, we, if we assume that everything's following in line, then it should be easier to develop. That's actually why a lot of uh, mm-hmm. game companies... What they used to do way back in the day, one of the reasons why it took forever to, to develop games is because for each new game, they develop a new engine. and mm-hmm. To develop from the ground up. Yeah, it takes forever. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of the times why you see these new Japanese companies back in like 2007 to 2012, they were running off of Unreal. And mm-hmm. uh, recently... Uh, they all made their own engines, like Konami mm-hmm. made the, uh, what is it called? The Foxhound engine. Yeah. Square Enix has their own whatever. The White Cydia. Engine. What is it called? The White Engine. Yeah, whatever it's called. And um, I guess Pokemon has their Pokemon engine now, so mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, slide into our next uh, talking point. With Nintendo Switch launching online in September, are there any online features that don't exist in Pokemon currently that you would like to see added that a new online service could provide? Um, once again, uh, there was that comment about the Facebook sort of media, but I don't want to touch on that just I want to transition that into the other things I've been thinking of. I want to see Pokemon Bank get a bit more use out of it. So I think how are we going to get our Pokemon from um, 3DS to Switch? will be through transferring to Pokemon Bank. They will probably, I would assume, do another free trial for it um, to get that transfer just over. Um, and yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be, that's how they're going to transfer everything over. But I think having Pokemon Bank on a whole new system that is the Switch 
and building a whole new Pokemon game up, ground up for the Switch, and Pokemon Bank now exists, allows them to do a lot more stuff. I think they could make um, what was essentially more or less Pokemon Bank before Pokemon Bank back in Gen 4. Um, and I, wrote, I would like this as a return, as well as this will lead into the Facebook thing. Another My Pokemon Ranch. Yeah. Uh, My Pokemon Ranch was oh, a Wii game yeah. Yeah, that you could transport your Pokemon Diamond and Pearl Pokemon into the Wii game, and you just yeah. look at them, you could play games, you could take photos, you could pet them. Um, and it's it's almost like Pokemon Ami, but it was on the Wii. Um, and you could take pictures and groom on them and whatever. Um, and your friends could visit. And so how I could see this working is you could send Pokemon either from the game or from, from the bank to a ranch on the Switch. Um, where you could then take screenshots or pet with them. And, but you could invite your friends over. Schedule Pokemon playdates with your friends through the app. Um, I think the app would be a big part of this, um, the phone app. Schedule. You could send posts about your Pokemon. Like, my Pikachu's so cute. Like, hashtag Pokepika or like, stuff like yeah. that. Send a screenshot. Um, make a playdate to play. I feel like that's a decent way to do it. Um, and that, So that's like the Facebook app where you can send the pictures and the messages about your Pokemon. Schedule the playdates would be through the app. So we'll go to the Facebook thing. Really that, cool. um, yeah. Well, to take a page out of Pokemon Go's handbook... I would like I to, want to do that next, actually. I want you can to go first. Them, I would like to see them integrate a raid uh, functionality mm-hmm. of some sort that this new online service can provide. You, a group of like three or four people, you know, going up and tackling on a challenge. Like, yeah, exactly. Instead of just willy nilly distributing these legendary Pokemon, make us actively work for them in a raid setting with our okay. friends. And yes, yeah, so you would probably have to meet. You know, special requirements in the game mm-hmm. before you could go ahead and access that functionality. Mm-hmm. But once you have done those things, you then use that online service to actively participate in an online raid with with a group of people. Now, I, I almost that. if they do bring bug catching contests back as well and stuff similar, playing those with friends through online would be cool as well. I think. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but taking another page out of Pokemon Go's book and almost Heart Gold Soul Silver Poke Walker stuff. We 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 assume that if we got a mobile app such as Pokemon Go um, for for the phones, we could once again go use Pokemon Bank to transfer Pokemon to from the game to our phone or from our phone to the game through Pokemon Bank if they get phone app for it. I just want to say, like, obviously Pokemon Go is not getting that kind of support at this point. I think that's just a given. It's not getting that support. It would have been nice if it did. It's not. But so, give us just the Pokewalker from Heart Gold Soul Silver on our phones. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Pokemon Bank to make it work. I can see something like that being well. really fun, mm-hmm. or some kind of integration with Pokemon Go, where they just add that functionality from into the Pokemon Go game and having a connected feature to the mainline game. That would have been what I would have said ages ago. I think this is not going to happen for Pokemon Go. I think it could happen otherwise, though. I mean, they could also sell a separate accessory for it. I mean, Pokemon Go proved that mm-hmm. Poke, Pokewalker, the, Poke, yeah. the Poke Go wristband Lost. thing. Yeah, yeah, the the Pokemon, Poke, yeah. those the sold Pokemon like hotcakes for the first um, like two oh, months. Lost. It was impossible yeah. to find, and mm-hmm. so that proves that if there that there is demand for apps mm-hmm. or accessories, accessories like that. Yeah, if they if they if they function, um, so they could even do that. But that doesn't necessarily make use of the online functions that I'm trying to worm my way in somehow to make yeah, these online yeah. subscription based. Um, 
But yeah, yeah. I think Pokemon Ranch, um, Pokemon like Walker stuff, and then just obviously the better connectivity. Um, once again, returning plays, player search system, um, bug catching contests, getting online. I like your idea of raids as well. That's up. Uh, should I have to say then? I guess. I think another um, online thing that I would really like to see uh, is some sort of integration where um, kind of like the underground, but then you could play like Pokemon Coliseum type mini games. Honestly. I'm a sucker for the for Poke- I have a lot of really good nostalgic memories with Pokemon Coliseum, so uh, maybe it's too far fetched uh, to to include, incorporate, and all all together. But it would be nice to to have something like that there. I think. How about integration with the Pokemon League as far as online competitions? Uh, something that they could monitor, or even like a capture function, so that if you do participate in an online league battle you know your your league match can be verified not only through the playtime but through like a recorded function that could be submitted to the pokemon league's website you're saying from pokemon.com on the computer mm-hmm. i think that would be pretty cool i think giving that extra portal as well would be really nice um they've been doing a lot of cool functionality with the with the online portal on pokemon.com as well for the league stuff it's really grown. I, part of me kind of wishes we got something like the Dream World back, because um, that was interesting. Too too kid friendly mini game stuff, but there was a lot of good stuff that was sort of connected to me with that. Um, as well as you could see, I'm not sure if you still can. I haven't checked in a while. The like how people are trading or what people are doing. You could see just random people, um, which was kind of cool. I think they could do a lot with that online status. Yeah. Um, what about the return of the GTS with a with a new online these new online services? The Pokemon GTS making its grand return and being really functional. I think the GTS won't ever change. I think GTS is kind of just the GTS. I don't know how they can improve it. Honestly, it could, it's a little slow sometimes. That would be faster. I just don't think it could be that improved by it. So this is going to be the first time that we're going to be paying for these online services in the mainline Pokemon series. What are you guys' thoughts on this? And do they need to implement some of the things that we've said in order for people to not feel burned by having to pay for the franchise in this type of way? I I don't think so. I think, like I've said with um, Smash Bros, um, people will pay to play for glory. I think a lot of people will pay to play Pokemon. I think it's not gonna be the biggest deal in the world for them if it's only um the what twenty bucks a year um especially in comparison to other places as well as if they're big Splatoon fans, big Smash Brothers fans. It's just another added thing to have Pokemon as part of that package. Um, I also think that uh the only real sore spot would be having to pay for Pokemon Bank and the online. I almost sort of wonder if they might do it so that you can bundle the subscriptions together or they ditch the subscription service for Pokemon Bank and you just need yeah. to be an online subscriber for just it. Tie it on to tie it to the uh yeah. the Nintendo app and then that's yeah. one of the functions just like how Splatoon yeah. had this segment Pokemon would have its own. Yeah, yeah. it'd be mm-hmm. it'd be weird to have that be a separate subscription. I think that yeah. would make a lot of people salty. Yeah, having both subscriptions would, would be a slap in the face to have to subscribe to Pokemon Online and Pokemon Bank, especially for the features that I've described, getting well, access thing- to my Pokemon Ranch and the Facebook, or whatever, and your Pokemon Bank, obviously. But what do you do if you get 
not subscribe to those. The, I think the thing that comes into play here is the financial aspect of it. Whereas Nintendo and uh, DNA developed the My Nintendo app together, and they they'll see all any and all profits of that venture. Game Freak developed Pokemon Bank, and that's lining, you know, that's an additional uh, revenue for them. Uh, would they have to increase the overall price point of my Nintendo's online service so that Game Freak could maintain the revenue that they currently receive from, uh, you know, Pokemon Bank? I mean, at the end of the day, it's all numbers and money, and you, none of these companies want to lose, you know, a cent. If if they can if they can stop themselves from losing money, both of these companies have proven that they will take whatever means necessary to maintain their their revenue flow. I mean, by making online paid for for Pokemon, it doesn't change Game Freak's financials in terms of the online, but lumping it all together with Pokemon Bank loses their Pokemon Bank subscriptions. So, I... I don't know. <laughs> I think they don't lose much in terms of the online otherwise, though. So I don't think it might be... It might not be too big of a problem. Um, I also sort of wonder if maybe... Like, Pokemon Bank, I believe, is stored on a server, like a cloud service you'd see otherwise. And I almost wonder if the five bucks a year more so goes to supporting that than to Game Freak. And if they could lump that server into the My Nintendo um, my Nintendo online service, it wouldn't be that big of an issue, I feel. I don't know. All right, so for new people and uh, parents who buy their you know children Pokemon games, mm-hmm. they, they, they've gotten accustomed or... They're, they've got and and for the new people, they might not necessarily be aware of Pokemon's online services as far as how they are currently. Mm-hmm. So the people who've gotten accustomed to it, I, I'm certain they'll be able to you know see past the paid for hump, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, but you have to think that there's a large contingency of people who won't partake yeah. in that. So. Yeah. What is the solution there? Do they do they maintain the uh, the local the local functions of trading and battling? Because those seem like features that we pretty much use exclusively for like local multiplayer at this point with uh, games like Mario Kart and Arms. And to be fair, I don't think the Switch handles those functions with the same ease that uh, the 3DS and the DS before it do. I actually find it a little bit more difficult to use the local multiplayer of the Switch than I do with the 3DS and the DS. Hmm. I so mean, is that in terms of setup or performance that you don't find it as convenient? Performance, performance. performance. I've had a lot okay. of dropped Mario Kart local matches where we have been in a local match and the match ends with one of us dropping out. I've had too many performance issues for local. I have had some issues setting things up from time to time, but... Everyone comes performance, um, but I don't necessarily think that performance matters too much in Pokemon, um, because it's like, other than obviously the disconnect, where you disconnect, dropping out, etc., frame rate issues aren't too big of a deal in Pokemon, where it's very turn-based. Alright. Yeah, uh, that- I don't think... Uh, so, maybe I'm a bit skeptical on this, but my 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 sense of the people who are complaining about um, Nintendo paying for an online service are mostly mostly kids is is my sense of it. Uh, or people who haven't, yeah. But but I mean, uh, 
with the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox, they have basically set the precedence of having to pay for your online. So Nintendo mm-hmm. jumping on that, it, I, I think people have already gotten used to the idea. Um, at least the, the the ones who have those other consoles. And um, I don't know, that, that, that's my sense. So the people who who are complaining are the ones that aren't really uh, paying for it. (laughs) (laughs) On another platform, you know? If I'm going to be honest, like, I do not like having to play for PlayStation Plus. Um, I do not like, I have not liked the idea of paid online for years. I mean, I'm I'm obviously younger than you guys. Maybe I was a kid back when it was uncool to pay for for kids to pay for online. Um, but, but I, I'm honestly not a fan of it. If I'm going to be, you know, at least the 60, I feel like 60 is sometimes a bit much 20 bucks. I'm okay with, you know, that's something that a kid after like a bit of like allowance or like after Christmas, they could buy their own, um, online subscription if they really wanted to. Um, it might not be convenient or whatever, but they could go buy the card for it and hook it up. Um, that's provided they would be able to make the, uh, you know, the adult choice in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. True, but I mean, sixty is sixty is a good number. It in, is in that you're gonna grumble about it, but you're still gonna do it. And when and when you're trying to to set these things up from a marketing corporate standpoint, that's what you look for. How what's the sweet spot of where do we get people to grumble about it and still manage to do it? Because that's how you get yeah. the, the max amount of yeah. money. When you're and, making a decision to spend money, you actually feel a bit of physical pain. If yeah. the pain is too much for what it's worth you don't buy it if the pain is not enough where it's like oh well two cents of course i got two cents let's buy like 60 of them um then you're gonna buy a bunch um but having that sweet spot of it's where it's like it's will make profit off of one but they won't feel too much pain you're exactly right yeah and then yeah. so that's why i think i i think maybe i'm a little more optimistic i think that when people see the Nintendo's online. They'll be like, "Oh man, do I have to pay for something else? Oh, but it's only twenty bucks. I can float that. Okay, I'll do it." You know what I mean? I think we'll be happier mm-hmm. that um, that it's such a cheap entry versus the other ones. Yeah, and I a think lot of cheap pressure. entries makes it a lot easier to. A to lot of this, a lot of this stuff goes towards towards servers. Servers. A yeah. lot of people. Um, a lot of people don't remember how bad PSN was way back in the day when it was free, when it was first starting. Like, I'm talking like circa 2007. It was god awful compared to the Xbox's uh, gold service, mm-hmm. which was really good. You got what you paid for. Um, and so, um, that's it's, it's just one of those things. You got to pay for server uh, stability and such. And I'm and I'm glad you mentioned that because I I assume and I really really hope we're getting servers, but we we don't currently have servers. We're on the free trial for this online right now, and yet we don't have servers. We're using P2P connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. P2P. So even if we get charged, are we really getting servers? I really hope so. But right yeah. now, there's no confirmation, yay or nay, if we are, which is kind of like. Well then, why am I paying? Well, yeah, some no, things are def- definitely going to need it. Pokemon could survive the you know staying on a PDP, mm-hmm. you know, format, but games like Splatoon, Mario Smash Kart, Bros. Smash Bros. Yeah, I don't cool. think they would want to launch those games. You know, well, I mean, they've already launched three you know yeah. online games that use PDP, but 
don't mm-hmm. think they want to go through that again with Smash Brothers. They don't want to do that mm-hmm. three times. Yeah, no. I mean, Smash Brothers has notoriously been uh, uh, raked over the coals for having shitty online. online so, yeah. At least um, it's better than Brawl's online. Brawl's yeah. online was the worst. Come on. <laughs> but what I'm saying, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. I, I'm making the assumption that they're going to be giving us servers. And if, if we're paying for something and they don't give us servers, it's kind of going to be shitty. Yeah. Uh, I'm just throw it out there. But um, I'm just making the assumption that mm-hmm. we will be getting servers. But we'll find out more well, in the future. I would really hope so. Yeah, of course. Speaking of moneymakers, while we're on the subject of money, we can use that as a segue. Nintendo has their own little cash cow. It's called Amiibo. Hmm. Should they finally incorporate Amiibo into the mainline Pokemon games? Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, but before Amiibo was a thing, Nintendo did have well, the most specifically Pokemon. Yeah, the Pokemon Rumble Fingles predate Amiibo by a year. But their execution of how they rolled that out globally wasn't as good as their execution in Japan. Uh, Japan has the Gachapon machines for those unindoctrinated. Gachapon machines are like gumball machines here in America. You put in a quarter, you get something awesome. Well, it's more like five, 500 yen, but get something awesome. And these were little NFC figures, and uh, that was a really the, – the execution of that is so flawless because gastropod machines are everywhere in Japan. Yeah, they are. Everywhere. Here in America, they made them GameStop exclusive, and GameStop is notorious at not restocking something, mm-hmm. especially if it sells out and it's popular. And mm-hmm. uh, I actually bought a whole case at my local GameStop of the Pokemon Rumble figures. They never stocked another case after I bought that initial case. Yeah. Uh, so knowing that their first attempt at NFC was a, had mixed results, do you think they get into the gravy train that is Amiibo? Because a line of Pokemon Amiibo could do well. The Detective Pikachu Amiibo proves that the Pokemon company can do a fantastic Amiibo. And right now, I think the Smash Amiibo for Pokemon are some of the best ones, especially Jigglypuff, who was you know exclusive to Target. It was really hard to come by. And uh, so were uh, Greninja and Lucario, which were exclusive to Toys R Us. Pokemon can sell Amiibo. Does this mainline game finally take the steps to incorporate them, or do they continue to shy away from Amiibo? That's a good question. I mean, on the one hand, we've already got a good existing line of Pokemon Amiibo, but on the other hand, there's going to be like, I assume they'll be adding another 100, so would they really release 600 new Amiibo? There are currently, I believe, over 700, if that was not the previous generation, but I uh, forgot I how they're up to 900 it. something now. Jesus, like, I mean, is that, is that true? I only really remember the number from really the X and Y, honestly. Okay, so <laughs> here's something. Here's what I think they could do to make it more manageable. They could do the card packs. That's what I was going to say. Card packs, they already have Pokemon cards. I would be yeah. down with that. Mm-hmm. I think they might also do a mixture where it's like the lesser ones. Like As much as I would want a like Shedinja Amiibo figure, no one else is going to want to buy that. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah definitely. So, so they make that a card, but then they make maybe Pikachu or Charizard or um, just the legendaries for the generation Amiibos. You yeah. would think that but the Amiibo quality supersedes that of most American-made toys. Like, no, they're they really are, good, yeah. So I could see a full line of Pokemon Amiibo doing really well just because of the whole levels of 
uh, fanaticism that Pokemon just causes in general. Mm -hmm. It could it could rival the Smash line or even supersede it as far as success if they maintain that amiibo quality. With cards, I, as awesome as I think of an idea that is, I think they would have a that would be a harder sell because you know with the TCG you mm -hmm. are buying a lot of packs to get yeah. you know eight that suits whatever need you have. So yeah. if you're trying to get a specific team of Pokemon amiibo in cards that could be expensive because the amiibo cards weren't cheap. Mm -hmm. They were yeah. they were like twelve yeah. bucks for a pack of cards. That yeah. that's a lot for a pack of cards. Uh, how much yeah. is it's also the same price as, as one amiibo though. See this is this is what I'm saying is I think so having per amiibo like doing the actual figure per Pokemon might be safer for the consumer if it takes off, if you do the packs, like packs, I think are safer. Card packs, I think, are safer for the uh, for the production for the company because mm -hmm. it's much cheaper to it's, create card stock with an cheaper, NFC chip. In it. It's more manageable. Yeah, it's easier to ship out and produce. Like, if assuming we don't get waves or we do get waves, though, who gets what? Does yeah. does every store get the Shedinja amiibo that I so desperately want? Or do only certain stores like get Shedinja and I'm just out of luck? Yeah, I think it's definitely, it would be safer on the corporate side to do packs. And, and we've seen mm -hmm. that the packs have kind of worked with the uh, Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing and Super Mario Sports Mix. Yeah, and, and we've seen that they've worked to mm -hmm. moderate success. Um, honestly, I think they've been more successful than anybody thought they'd be, considering A, it's Animal Crossing, and B, it's Mario Sports, which are fun titles, but they don't, don't have the draw as mm. Pokemon. So yeah. I, I think if it were me making the decision in corporate, I would I would back the cards. Mm -hmm. right. I would I would also back the cards. Um, once again, for those same reasons, but also as a consumer, I feel like it's more beneficial at the cards as well. Sure, I want the figures, but you. It's twelve bucks for the pack of cards. We've established that that's a lot for a pack of cards. But if they're worth buying the amiibo, twelve ninety nine for one amiibo figure, and you have to collect all nine hundred Pokemon or a pack of like ten amiibos for twelve ninety nine in card form, you got ten amiibos right there for the same price as one amiibo. It's just not a figure. Yeah, I feel like as a consumer trying to collect them all or catch them all, um. It's more, it's more achievable and requires less money to do cards. I also feel like if they can maybe stack on top of the current Pokemon TCG production, maybe, maybe the next couple sets could have like Pokemon Amiibos as the actual cards. So they're playing cards, they're just also Amiibo. And they also, well, let's, let's not forget that that would be super cool to have a future Pokemon TCG card game that uses those Amiibo cards. Oh, oh! I thought the Wii U was perfect for that, as well as I just want another Pokemon TCG video game in general. But yeah, yeah. Well, to go a little bit more in depth with the card, there is this in between that they have in Japan. There's this game called Pokemon Ga Ole that uses plastic cards that have stickers on top of them. Inside the plastic card is an NFC chip, and this is an arcade game. If I didn't say that. You put mm -hmm. the uh, you put the plastic card on top of the machine. It scans it like an amiibo, brings it to life. Card is 
a little bit thicker than your standard Pokemon card, but it's definitely short. It's got the sticker, and it's actually they're really cool, and they they're selling like hotcakes. Uh, yeah, through the machine, and they actually had a McDonald's Happy Meal promotion where, for the boy Happy Meal, you got a exclusive McDonald's Pokemon Go LA set of cards. Instead of as a crossroad, as a you know, as a in between, they could use something similar to the Ga Ole and do that and do three of those per per pack for the mm. same twelve ninety nine price point that they're selling the pack of ten cards, but then you're still getting something that's a little bit more physical and durable. And with that's the thing, when we're when we're talking about Pokemon, we're skewing to a younger age range. Mm-hmm. So a traditional set of cards might be alienating to purchasers because I don't want to bend my cards. I don't want to crease my cards. I don't want to buy sleeves for my cards. That's the thing with Pokemon card collecting is it, if you really get into it, it is a much more expensive venture than just buying the cards. It's about protecting mm-hmm. those cards, binders for those cards, or even just the plastic sleeves. That becomes an expensive proposition, especially with mm-hmm. the fact that it is an amiibo and people tend to want to preserve their amiibo. So I would like to see across between Amiibo and Ga'ole in the sense where they use like these, they're still cars, but they're just, they're made out of plastic. And, yeah, uh, they could do that. I mean, still, that the production cost of of a of a more durable card stock is still much cheaper than uh, actually making a figure. So it is, it is theoretically possible. Yeah. I feel like if they do make them plastic, though, I feel like it's got to maybe have multiple Pokemon on it somehow like i don't know you scan it and it has a couple somehow i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah it's, right. a, it's an interesting sweet spot to, to get the value versus the uh per pack cost yeah so that, that'd be interesting to figure out mm-hmm. true that but uh let's go ahead we got two more talking points and we're you know, we're finishing up with this bad boy conversation All but right. this is this is one that's really interesting i, I, I want to hear you guys thoughts on this so we said earlier that we know that the Pokemon development staff got split between two teams with the younger design staff working on Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and the older staff working on God knows what. We assume that it's Pokemon Switch. Uh, is it feasible, though, that because they had a least a year of development time that we get an announcement either prior to or at E3? And if so, well, could the game possibly launch in 2018? I think they're more than capable of at least getting the E3 announcement in twenty eight in twenty eighteen. I'm not counting on it. I think it's one of those things where it might be just too early to say. Um, but I think they're they're more than capable of getting an announcement out of E3. I don't think it'll drop twenty eighteen. I think we might get an announcement. I'm not I'm not hold, crossing my fingers or counting my luck on that though. I think it's possible though. See yeah. the September release. The September release of. Uh, uh, my Nintendo Online makes me think that they want to launch that service with a game that utilizes that service. Okay, properly. that's a good point. That is a good and point. If, it, I... if, if Smash is not a September release, then I definitely have to think that they're pinning their hopes on Pokemon coming out in that time frame. I don't know about Pokemon. I mean, we've got Smash coming out, which is such a big mm-hmm. title. Part of me wonders if even if the game were to be finished, which they probably could finish it by the end of the year. Um, I think they might hold it as 
ammo for the next year. Yeah, how I see this happening is February, like on the anniversary of Pokemon, they'll be doing a lot of Pokemon Directs on that day. I think we're going to get the announcement on a Direct on that February like anniversary day. Um, and we're going to see it maybe in the summer or like a slower time for gaming. Yeah. I can see that being the case. Yeah. Although I, w- I wouldn't be surprised Well, if if it comes out at the end of the year either because i mean assuming that they're using the pokemon engine they created it is it is possible it is possible that they have they could get it all done in time all right so that just brings us to our final talking point with pokemon making the move to the switch what are your overall thoughts on the two generations that were released on the 3ds that would be pokemon x and y and all four pokemon sun and moon games as well as Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire? Uh, uh, they're part of the same generation. Yeah, but... they are part of the same generation. Right, I'll count them the same as X-Y. Alright. I, I was a big, big fan of X and Y. Um, I really liked the Mega Evolutions. I liked all the new Pokemon. Um, I liked all the leaps and bounds they made. I liked um, pretty much everything. I think it was a great direction. I liked the story for it a lot. Um, player search system was great once again. Um, Mega Ruby Sapphire was kind of more of a letdown, but um, I'll get back to Ultra Sun Ultra Moon. We should probably go around and um, do the rest of the X and Ys. Uh, as far as X and Y is concerned, there were things I love about that game. I love, you know, I love the Pokemon of the region, uh, and as having, you know, been to France more than once, I liked how accurate they made that world feel. Like, I've been to some of the places that they try to represent in the game, and I think they did an amazing job of recreating that world uh, with their own sensibilities. Uh, the Pokemon themselves, I honestly think that a lot of them are forgettable, but we got Greninja that generation, who is one of my all-time favorite Pokemon now. Um, and my, my main issue with, with uh, X and Y, though, is... That's the game where, like, the scale of it just seems a little off. I feel like that whole uh, world-ending scenario, I felt like that was a little too deep for what we ended up getting. I don't feel like they fully fleshed out that particular story in a way that was satisfying. Uh, I have the same kind of issues with uh, Sun and Moon where... You play half the game before the story starts, but so it's basically the same problem, but in reverse. Whereas in X and Y, you start getting those story bits really early, but then they, you know, by the by the time you beat the game, they don't fully pan out. And then in mm. Sun and Moon, they don't come until the end game, and and it all feels really rushed. But uh, I do love different things about those games. As far as uh, Sun and Moon are concerned. I love the changes they made to that game as far as gyms. The gym the gym mechanic has gotten so stale in 20 years. It was actually refreshing to see the island trials and them and have them be something different. Uh, some of them were weird, like uh, Kiawe's trial was super weird. But I like how they embraced the weirdness of that overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I do think that these were two of some of the best Pokemon generations to ever come out. 
uh, they they took a lot of what was working on the in the two D world and made it better in the three D space. So, I as far as I'm concerned, these are these are highlights of Pokemon Generations as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I've made no. Um... It's it's no hidden fact that I think that X and Y were much superior to to Sun and Moon, um, just overall. And uh, I, I really appreciated. See, see, I, I liked the scope of the story, especially coming off the heels of Black and White One and Two, where your involvement your involvement was much more big than the Sun and Moon trials, which kind of felt kind of small and insignificant mm-hmm. to me. Um, and also just generally, like, storytelling for, for X and Y to me, it was much more all-age friendly versus Sun and Moon's Saturday morning cartoon, which didn't really... There's a, that's one of the reasons why I have a lot of problems getting into the, the American localized version of Yokai Watch or extreme what is it lbx little battlers extreme yeah, little experience yeah yeah and it, 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 it's hard for me to get into him because they're so saturday morning cartoony and agreed and it's maybe i'm just getting really really old but it's it just does not appeal and so x and y to me um was much more engageable uh, as an adult i i agree with what you're saying um it was definitely much more age friendly and all across the spectrum, like acceptable or like um, able to jump in. Um, I want to also talk about the point where um, Nice One said that the 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 end of the world scenario of X and Y didn't have the same impact. I I wrote a very very long Facebook post in a Pokemon group a long time ago about how if they're going to do the stories for Sun and Moon and X and Y, they should have released them in reverse so that. Um, X and Y was built on the Pokemon engine that you've you've mentioned was built for Sun and Moon. Be- Sun and Moon didn't really need that engine in terms of any of its cinematics or or anything. I felt. Oh yeah, but I see what you're saying. There was a lot yeah. of scenes in in X and Y where it could have been great to build the story of if you, in the more visual sense. Um, I feel like writing wise, it was really well done for Pokemon story. Um, but it lacked when you looked at all the pixely like angles that were there in the smaller sprite forms and i feel like that was just the big thing was that it, x and y needed that engine to look good or yeah no i, I could see that I it right it, it was perfect in my opinion yeah no no I, I definitely see i think there's a lot of merit to the argument mm-hmm. i think that's part of what made the appeal it's on a moon seem better was that mm-hmm. the animated cutscenes it looked better the animated cutscenes mm-hmm. were really good yeah on the moon was one of those games where i finished it i went back and i was like wait is, is that it yeah agreed mm-hmm. I, I i have to i know i've picked on this a time and time again before but like right before you finish the game there's that uh uh the the chief or whatever not not the chief the chick on the mountain, the art chick on the mountain. She's like, yeah, yeah. the fairy oh. trial captain. Just give, yeah. just give me here. She, she gives it to you. It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. no challenge whatsoever. Here you go. And I'm just like, yeah. really? Was that really a thing, or were they just rushed for time? Because it felt rushed. And I'm like, yeah. come on. I, yeah. I, I don't know. No, I the trials, the trials were interesting, 
but I I felt like they fell short in some ways. That's like, what I want to talk about next. I agree the gym format has been getting a bit old. I feel like part of it might be just more the gym design has been getting stale. The gym design itself. And yeah. I do think that the trials offer a lot more interesting approaches to how you could design a gym scenario. Um, yeah. Where it's more of a task or a mission instead of just solving the puzzles and battling. Puzzles are what make gyms really, really fun to me. It's not as much the battling as much as it is the puzzles sometimes. Yeah, and, and um, the older titles had some really excellent gym puzzles. Yeah, Gen 3, especially with like Watson's Electric Gates, Winona's yeah. Wind, um, and uh, uh, Wallace's like ice panels where you couldn't step on the other one. Gen, Gen 2 puzzles. that had the um, invisible walls? Or was that Gen 1? That was Gen 1, I believe. Yeah, with, um, Wa- K- Lieutenant Surge. That's mm-hmm. Surge. Um, yeah, that like they had really good gym designs for a while, and that's becoming much more of a rarity. Um, there's still a couple gym designs that are really, really good. Not all of them are that good. Um, there was one in X and Y that I can't remember, but I know it was really good, and I, I have blanked on it, so oh well. Um, <laughs> but so I feel like opening up to trials just does a lot. The series left good in terms of the gym still. You can still have a lot of unique puzzle design. You can do maybe fetch quests or just larger grand things. They really did follow short. They did a lot of work to become great. Because for a lot of them, it's just like, you know, Kiawe's trial, as we said, was just copy. And then it was just the dancer. The, the hiker was the only real issue in a lot of them. It's just copy the image, and the hiker was the problem. Um, a lot of them were just like battle or just go through this route and battle. And it's like, well, that's worse than a gym, in my opinion, just because, like, yeah. it's a wild Pokemon that's easy and not unique. And there's no gym puzzle in these kinds yeah. of things either. I'd eventually have a gym puzzle and I have to talk to all three Raticate and beat them up. Um, I like yeah. the idea of po- totems. I also like the idea of a gym leader battle. But what I really, really like is getting the Z crystal instead of a, a badge. That was really nice, getting the Z crystals. It is interesting, although I do have to admit that I missed the ability to polish my badges. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, a, actually, I, that was. I forgot yeah. about that. In yeah. Diamond and Pearl, I think if you don't polish your badges, they actually they lose their time. Yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like the idea of getting a Z crystal. That was kind of it was kind of nifty, and it, and it yeah, it was it was a bit of a payout, uh, a payoff. Excuse me. Yeah, um, instead of just a shiny piece of plastic that yeah. grants you permission to the next area, it did something. Yeah, yeah. You see, going back to the story. Maybe it's because I'm coming off of Detective Pikachu and realizing that they could make a more, a smaller, more intimate story with the same kind of repercussions, you know, a movie would have where like character people will die, but not this grand scale. People will like the whole world is going to die as in Mm -hmm. X and Y where like, you know, he's about to activate this world destroying weapon and, the first time he did it, millions of people in Pokemon died and whatnot. I, th- I thought that was a little too grand. And I just don't think that they were willing to tackle that story, that specific story, with the kind of severity that it would actually entail. And I felt that was, I, I felt like they just didn't tell that specific story right. But then playing Detective Pikachu, an equally dark story, but with less ramifications. Uh, than the you know the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, people will yeah. get hurt, will die, but we're we're it's 
focused on this this small space. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying. And I, I think from that standpoint, if we're going from like ramifications and um and more of actually having an effect on characters, I, I still think X and Y does that better than Sun and Moon. I agree. Sun oh, and Moon yeah, is just I kind of like Let's find your mom. Oh, your mom's crazy. Even though she's like super crazy hot, she's crazy because she's has a thing for interdimensional Pokemon, and we got to stop her because reasons. Well, ultimately, only one character changes throughout the course of of the events that happen in that game, and that's Lily. The mm-hmm. only person that sees substantial changes, Lily. Uh, how stays the same? Oh mm-hmm. my god, I wanted to kill him so much. You know that would have made yeah. the story. Billion times better. Hey, yeah. let's just kill Hal. Yes. I like I like Hal as a character, but he does not fit. I, I wouldn't mind having Hal as a best friend, honestly, but he does not fit in this game. He's kind of a dick, honestly, because he everyone he he's really to me he's super disrespectful. Everyone's talking about like no Pokemon is serious business. Like you have to take pride in your Pokemon or the battling. He's there like herp derp. I'm gonna have fun. Look at me. I'm Steven Universe, but worse. And I'm just like, oh my god! How? I want to throw you off this boat! Give oh. you to the Drifloons, and you die! And and oh. I also... But going back to, like, how, you know, the you said the main objective was sort of like, we're gonna find your mom. And, and I like to... I think that's interesting to think about, because there's never really a clear antagonist or consequence to most of Sun and Moon. It's in X and Y, you know, you gotta stop Lysandra because he's gonna blow up the world and kill everything. Yeah. Um, but in X and Y, it's like, okay, well, you know, Team Skull is just throwing a group of punks, they're not causing too much trouble, we're obviously up against them. And then, like, Aether Conservation, there was a very blurred line of who was the real villain, who was good, who was evil, um, what your main objective even was throughout all Here's that. Here's a clue, if they were all white, they're always bad. Yeah, <laughs> last, yeah all white or all black. Um, ah, that's yeah. true and and you know I, I see what you're saying and i liked the way they flirted i, I mean so here, here's the thing i like the idea of flirting with those concepts mm-hmm. but i don't think sun and moon did a good job of staying with them I every agree. time like things started to get real how kind of showed up and be like hi i'm how i'm a giant fucking moron and i'm like jesus it was really getting good and you ruined the mood i don't yeah, i don't think it was how he walks in there and he he steals the uh, he he brings too much levity. He brings yeah. too much Masada talk. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, they had they actually had a really good moment where they were talking about their mom and like how much it hurt, and you just come in here like waltzing in like a big dumbass. I don't I don't think how ruined a lot of that. I think it was just more so present. Like I like the idea of the flirting of those concepts as well. I like I like loosening as a lot as a character and concept in how she handled Aether conservation. And um, her art design. And how, yeah, that. Um, <laughs> but, like, how the lines sort of led you to think Guzma and Team Skull, but really, it was me, Lusamine. Um, yeah, but, no, that, I mean, I agree. Th- but it wasn't done well. I don't think it was necessarily Howe's fault. I do like Lily as a character, but then again, she was the only one who also changed, as we've said before. Um, but then also, you know, it did also hold your hand a lot, which, in terms of the story, it was much more story-based than it was gameplay based i felt and, and when that happens and the story does have a habit of falling flat like that is where it became a really bad game for me either give me a really good story or give me more gameplay that i like yeah 
I don't know. I agree. <laughs> all right, but yeah, I mean, those are all really good points, and I think I think we can agree that Pokemon on the 3DS has been a mixed bag, and probably the best results would have been to combine those two games in some sort of way. Because there's so many good things about X and Y that we all seem to love mm -hmm. as far as, you know, the Pokemon themselves, the world building, and, mm -hmm. you know, the story, uh, yeah. it, it, you know, for the most part. And some of the functionalities in Ultra Sun and Ultra or Sun and Moon would have been welcome in, you know, the X and Y franchise. So I think... I think it let's I think it's fair to say that Pokemon on the 3DS was at its most imperfect as far as what we were getting from each generation on that existing system. Anyway, I think that wraps it up. Uh so any closing thoughts on uh the show as a whole, guys? Um I would like more waifu and less censorship. <laughs> and husbando. I I'm just you know throwing it out there. Treehouse, stop screwing up Fire Emblem. <laughs> the Pokemon episode is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, especially in terms of speculation. Um, I would like to do a bit more. Um, I, there's a lot more that I wanted to talk about that we obviously weren't going to discuss today. Um, so I'd like to revisit it at some point, but I'm really happy that we got to talk about Pokemon. Um, once again, the April Fool's stuff was very, very cute. Um, but yeah. Um, I'm happy with how this show went down as a whole. I'm glad we finally got to talk a bit more about the Wayne Pokemon games as well. Yeah, it's been a while since we uh, spoke on Pokemon on this show, so it was really nice to uh, go over things that we hadn't spoke on yet and just really, really uh, just deep dive, speculate, because we know nothing as of yet. So happy we got to talk about it. So, guys, we're going to go ahead. We're going to get out of your hair, but before we let you do, we got to hit you up with the social media links. You can hit me up on Twitter. At nice one ninety three, you can email me at nice one ninety three at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nintendo Power Zone. If you're a fan of this podcast, you can watch this show live on youtube.com slash Nintendo Power Zone. But if you don't have time, you want to listen to us on the road, you can check us out on iTunes, Google Play Music, and stream new episodes on Stitcher Radio. Guys, social media links. All right, before I want to do that, though, I want to give a shout out to SSB Candidates. Thanks for watching us. Uh, it was great to chat with you. Um, you can he you can hit me up on Twitter at at Jaden Winsong or uh, occasionally I will stream at also Jaden Winsong on Twitch. So um, you can find me there. My Twitter is at Viking Blues. Um, my YouTube is at Viking Blues, and my, the Twitch is Twitch TV slash Viking Blues. Um, and streaming is still on hiatus, but in terms of until then, um, I'm gonna be doing a Golden Sun um let's play here on YouTube. Um. Probably either my YouTube or, or this one here. I don't know for sure yet. I'll figure that out. Um, but well, I plan to do a lot of stream testing with Golden Sun. Is the big issue why I want to do it. Just to, to see what works, what doesn't in a controlled environment rather than the live stream. Um, but also, Golden Sun has been on my mind a lot. Something I think that might be coming to the forefront soon. Of And I want to talk about maybe... Isaac and Smash, or, or certain other topics I think would be fun to talk about as well. Um, so, definitely, um, definitely look forward to that, because I'm looking forward to having those discussions. Um, as of right now, it's definitely going to be post-content, like, after-recorded. I might transition it to live, and maybe if you guys want, we can discuss some of the topics live as well for Golden Sun. 
All right, but that should be it. We're looking forward to all that. Guys, remember, you can watch the newest episode of Pixelated Places on YouTube.com. I highly recommend it. Go see what Joysticks Arcade uh, Lounge looks like. But that's going to be it from us. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks, guys. Two weeks, bi-weekly now. So look forward to that. Uh, and, guys, as always, stay fresh. <laughs>